Welcome back to another episode of Wit Sonar. I'm Luke Velasca, joined by Kyle Taylor. We're very excited to have you here today. We just had the Labor Day holiday, so it's been a bit of a long weekend. You're getting back into the swing of things, but we do have a short week ahead of us. Kyle, how are you doing today? Oh, we're doing well. Got a fresh tan coming out of Labor Day weekend. We're we're feeling good. It's hot, but summer's over, dude. So back to the old grind. Uh, you know, I feel to, like uh, I can. I feel like I can taste fall coming. You know, it's it's there. Yeah. Like it's it's teasing with me a little bit, but I do feel like it is there just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, football season's here. I mean, that's the that's the line in the sand. That's where we're crossing over to past up. You know, summer's behind us and. Now we got fall upon us. We had some college football last week. We got NFL starting tomorrow. So we're going to, and if you've seen, I mean, we're having, <laughs> don't know which side of the, of the aisle we want to talk about, but with all COVID back, you know, the Delta or whatever we have, we want to call it right now, the Delta variant. Some of the most packed football stadiums I've seen over the past weekend, to be honest. <laughs> football fans do not care. Let me tell you that. Um, or at least college football fans do not. Oh, so, <laughs> certainly not college football fans. Um, but I, I think I think all all follow, all football fans, including you know uh, uh, you know non-American football as well. You know I've been watching a lot of you know a lot of the Premier League. They're packing stadiums. A lot of European leagues um, as well, uh, which is a bit of the football I tell you to watch. But that's beside the point here. Um, so, anyways, you know a, a, as we look as we look at you know and we're going into. Uh, really the end of Q3. I mean, Q3 is just about over. I mean, really just three weeks left in Q3. And then we're in Q4. It's holiday time. You know, and and something that that I was looking at is, you know, we, you know, one of the articles that one of our folks wrote on, 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 uh, on freight waves actually posted through modern shipper. Now Um, it's, it was looking at the postal service and how, how the hiring ramp that they have to do to take care of, you know, really get ready for the Christmas season and that whole holiday season Q4, people are ordering packages. Now it's Cyber Monday, it's Black Friday. Let's just call it Cyber Q4, right? Because that's really what it is. People are just ordering constantly. There's less about you you have to stock shelves. I mean, there's been a complete paradigm shift over the last decade of Stocking shelves really isn't that important anymore. It's, do you have freight here? Do you have people who can fill orders, who can put put goods into boxes. And I was reading that the U.S. Postal Service is going to plan to hire nearly 50,000 seasonal workers to get ready, and they're still not sure if that's going to be enough. I mean, think about the logistics that have to happen. Well, I mean, let's be let's be honest with each other. I mean, the Postal Service is long in the past of being automated or some sort of ahead of the curve on really anything. Um, so, yeah, I think right now the, the writing's on the wall. They, uh, you know, they, they have billions of dollars lost every year. It's not a, pro- I mean, again, it's not a, it's not a profit center, but what they, uh, I'm sure it's a lot of manual, manual picking. I'm sure they don't have like a Amazon fulfillment center with robots just going around, picking orders, putting them in the right place. So, so yeah, I think there's going to be even, they're going to need even more than what they expect in labor costs. And, and hopefully the market can supply that. I mean, Right now, there's there's demand for everyone who can who can fill a seat, and we're not even just seeing that in the the trucking side on retention, but even kind of the seats that we even sit in, Luke, and you know just the the, the normal jobs. Is there's just so much demand? Yeah, there's a lot of demand. I mean, and um, I'm seeing that seeing that everywhere that I go. There's always something that's going on. 
Um, but, you know, even FedEx and UPS, they had a lot of problems, too, last year with trying to fulfill orders. There were a lot of packages that ended up coming late, and, that, and that's just the reality of it. So we, I, yeah. I think, you know, while you're right, the, the, you, the Postal Service is definitely behind the eight ball when it comes to, you know, keeping up with the times and the robots around their distribution and fulfillment centers. They, we need them to, to really pick it up, right, to help alleviate a little yeah. bit of, uh, of slack uh, for uh, UPS and uh, FedEx. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. And, and with truckload volumes continuing to rise, you know, they're maintaining at this really high level. Rates are super high, right? I mean, it's obviously the bottleneck is it's here, right? So it, yeah. it's at such an elevated level. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens in this Q4 peak season. No, and we're, we're already starting to feel that. So this is really going to be the first week, you know, of those lulls coming out of the big weekend. But, you know, what some of the focus is today, I mean, we're going to run through Savannah's truckload, truckload market. Um, you know, Savannah being a very import heavy type of city, you know, obviously that's going to have massive implications on the truckload volumes that are coming from the port. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Dallas and, and then we'll, we'll jump to Houston, but, uh, but Luke, so why don't you kick us off? You know, we're, we're talking Savannah to Atlanta. Actually, before we even get to Savannah to Atlanta, I believe, let's just talk from a national overview. I think we have our hall map that we want to bring up to just kind yeah, of look let's, at. Let's go right ahead now. and throw that map up on the screen there here so, so folks can see. Yeah, this is this Oh, is this looks a little fancier here, Luke. You're You're not, you don't always throw that 3D map up. All right. No, we, we don't always throw the 3D map up, but maybe we should. Maybe we need to utilize it more. No, I, I love this map. So for, for folks that follow Soto, they're very aware of those colors. Those colors represent our head hall map, specifically talking about Van in this case. And, you know, that, that represents really the load and balance ratio or an easy way to call it be capacity. So right at your backhaul markets, that's where there's just not enough freight shipping out compared to what's coming in. So those trucks are, a lot of them are having to deadhead out in order to find freight or wait around. Blue markets are your opposite. Those are your head-haul markets. Too much freight going out, not enough coming in. So there's tends to be a shortage of trucks. Um, we know that the, the the light of the blue means it's less extreme. The darker the blue means it's more extreme. Um, now the height of the market, which you can see there, that represents how much volume. Okay, so a much higher market there, like Atlanta or Dallas, Memphis, L.A., Ontario, up there in the top right, you have Harrisburg, right? Those areas that are very elevated are are have have the most volume of all of them. So while there's a lot of areas that are blue that have a very tight capacity, the highest ones are where they're tightest capacity with a lot of volume, versus the red areas where there's too much capacity, and the ones with the most height is where there's a lot of volume with too much capacity. So Houston down there in kind of the middle, uh, Phoenix there is a little bit elevated. Uh, looks like Indianapolis and Charlotte are a little elevated. They have a lot of volume, but they, they don't need capacity. So, you know, great picture there to understand, you know, hey, if I'm a care, where is my truck going to be the most valuable? And it's going to be most valuable in one of those markets that's blue and a little elevated. It means you'll have the most opportunities. Right. And then when you start talking about like tender rejections, I mean, I know we're looking at, I believe, head haul and the tender volume index for the band markets. Um, once you add, you know, some of the other data sets we have on here, this becomes really a dialed in map so that we can understand not only where capacity is, like you said, but where maybe price is heading to the most. So, you know, I definitely love seeing, seeing this map. And so, you know, what, are, what are we running into going into, you know, this week? What are some of the biggest impacts? So I know we were talking about Savannah and I know how much you love talking about the ports, but why don't you break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, you know, port port markets are so important to keep an eye on right now. And I don't care if you if you never even pick up from a port 
or you have nothing to do with ocean freight, it's still so impactful for what happens in the dry van market. It it definitely affects a little bit flatbed and reefer, but, you know, especially van. It's such a tight correlation with van. And, you know, to, to not keep a close eye on it, especially if you're operating near one of those markets, it is you're setting yourself short. So Savannah in particular, I love talking about Savannah right now because of the amount of growth it's seen. And even because you have some of those West Coast ports, you have so many ships that are sitting there idle. There's not enough capacity or chassis to get them off loaded. So they're just sitting there. So a lot of ships are getting routed to ports like Savannah or even to like ports like Miami and Jacksonville, other areas there in Florida that are smaller ports that you don't really use. Obviously, New York, New Jersey, but a lot of that spillover is having to go down into Philly and Norfolk, you know, and we're even seeing Houston pick up the slack there. So a lot of those West Coast and Gulf Coast ports are really having to pick up the slack there. But Savannah is obviously a big one. It's kind of the gem of the Southeast as far as ports are right. concerned. Drives a lot of that volume. A lot of Atlanta's volume goes through Savannah. So it's an important place to keep an eye on to know what's going on. Yeah. And and, and with that, I mean, I, just looking at some of the tender data. So why don't we throw up the, you know, what we have for the Savannah and for the Savannah markets. Um, and, and so okay, with this, I want people to keep, keep in mind here that I believe, you know, compared to last week, the number of imports coming into the port of Savannah was up 24%. So not, not last Say week again. compared to last year. Um, and, and so again. that is just considerable. Um, especially as we start thinking, um, about capacity on the truckload market. And so what we're looking at here is the, the outbound tender rejection index on the left. Uh, for Savannah with the uh, outbound tenant rejection for Savannah to Atlanta. So Savannah having kind of that baseline and then having a lane-specific outline just goes to show that that is continually to be higher over the past about month and a half on Savannah to Atlanta than just total outbound Savannah, which is huge um, considering, you know, the amount of volume that is coming in from the Right. So that blue line there, Kyle, is, you know, basically just under 30 percent of all loads are being rejected out of Savannah. But specifically for Savannah to Atlanta, one of the biggest lanes out of Savannah, it's over 31, almost 32 percent. So it's even higher on that very specific lane. And as you can see, it is just up and to the right there over the last couple of days and weeks. So a lot of tightening there. And, And it looks like if we go to that chart on the right there, that's actually the in the intermodal volume outbound out of Savannah. So blue line is out of Savannah. So about 256 containers daily right now as of this morning. And then mm-hmm. the green line there, about half of that or 110 containers are moving specifically from Savannah to Atlanta. And that's decreased, which is interesting to me. It tells me with, with tender rejections increasing going to Atlanta and intermodal containers decreasing, that kind of tells me that shippers just are trying to move the freight a lot faster. And they don't want to waste oh, yeah. time on the intermodal. And that's spilling over and forcing those truckload carriers to reject more of their contract loads to pick up some of that slack and get paid a little more. No, exactly. And, you know, from a broker's perspective, I mean, that, that just screams we need to be increasing our rates. If we're looking mm-hmm. into the future over the next couple yeah. of weeks, we're seeing more and more intermodal volume. And really, that's specific to the international containers that are loaded. You know, there's less being imported coming to the Savannah market directly from savannah to atlanta so more being trucked to your point we're going yeah. we're, we need to get these these uh these products to their end destination faster and but for carriers that's this is kind of like a death wish this is not what you want to see 
Um, so, you know, before accepting tendered loads, you may need to look, you know, for, you know, freight that's a little bit farther, maybe a little bit outside of just the Atlanta market, because that's, uh, yeah. you know, that, that higher increase in carriers rejecting that freight. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's going to cause those rates to come up. And, and if you negotiated rates, you know, let's just say last week, which we've heard a lot of it, you know, for carriers, you're already leaving money on the table. Yeah, and I want this is a great time to talk about this too, because I, I think that that chart paints such a beautiful picture of why you need to pay attention to what's going on at the port activity and what's leaving it. Because if I'm moving freight out of Savannah, right, and, or, or anywhere near there, right, I used to move a ton of freight out of Blackshear, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half outside of Savannah. So it definitely got impacted by Savannah. And it's so important to know what's going on because if I'm a broker or even a carrier, I can easily look at this and say, listen, Looks like there's a lot of demand that's increasing out of the Savannah market. That's causing a lot of uh, loads to load tenders to be rejected. That's going to put a lot of increased pressure on the spot market, both from an increased demand and increased price perspective. Even if I'm not, if even if I'm not doing anything at the port, I can at least communicate that to my shipper and be like, "Listen, this is what's going on. Everybody over here is taking up all the capacity. I'm going to, if I'm a broker, I'm going to have to pay a little extra to buy capacity. And here's why: I can right. paint that picture." From a shipper, obviously they don't like it. They don't want to pay more, but they understand. And if I'm a carrier, I can at least take it to them and be like, hey, this is why I'm charging more because this is I, I now know the value of my truck. Right? No, exactly. And, and it's not about strong arming anybody. It's just about laying it out like, hey, this is this is where we are. This is this is the market. And what are some of those other levers that we can pull? You know, for shippers, to your point, rates are going up, so it's harder to find capacity. So your your tender acceptances are probably starting to to fall. And, and so with that, what are some of these levers that you can pull? Well, with, you know, another data set that we look at um, as well is going to be our tender lead time. So average for that market is, is right at about 2.8 days. So, you know, if I'm a shipper, I'm looking for any way I can try to get these tenders out, before, you know, past three days, because that's going to allow my, my broker partners to give me more capacity. It's going to allow the assets to try to position their trucks so that, you know, maybe it's a little bit more incentive for them to pick up mine if I'm giving them more time to try to secure that if they do have to outsource their own trailers or, or tractors. So, you know, it's definitely a, a tough market. And that's, again, these are these are the the areas that cause price to move. These are the pre-price discovery movements that you're, if I'm a broker, I'm going to end up taking a loss here if I negotiate wrong. If I'm a carrier, like I'm leaving money on the table. And if I'm a shipper, my stuff may not get picked up or my budget might get blown because of situations like this. And, and so that's why this is so impactful because all this data is updated daily. Yeah. No, I'm so glad that you said that too. You know, we talked so much about this is what a broker can do and this is what a carrier can do. But tender lead time, we don't have the chart up in front of us right now. But right, if other shippers are giving two and a half days notice, you need to give three days notice. Get ahead of it. Make sure that the providers out there see your loads first. Force them to make a commitment on your freight, you know, one way or another. So now you know what's going on. Don't don't be the last one to show them their freight, and they've already committed capacity. So I love these. That's a great thing shippers can do to get ahead of the get ahead of, get ahead of this. Yeah, um, think we've got another market you can on too. Yeah, so I mean, let, let's uh, let's go to the you know the, the star state here, the Texas, you know, the Longhorns. Show Texas, me what's you going know, on in Dallas, dude. Texas is having so much volatility. I, I feel like we always talk about Texas. It's it's something that, uh, you know, it's one of these big hubs for, because of the port of Houston. We've seen so many different dynamics, but specific to Dallas, so their head haul score dropped. But, you know, it's still yeah. remaining at, you know, about, I would say, 75 basis points. So it's still a, a significant head haul. Oh, um, oh, basis points. Those are some fancy words oh, there. Oh, huh? BPs. Oh, oh. 
Well, oh. don't don't tell JP. Don't tell don't tell JP. I used the basis point. He'll murder me for that. Um, Ooh, okay. No, but uh, but yeah, Jim so we're Kramer still seeing that. Still seeing that as well as you know elevated contract rates. So let's go ahead and throw that up and let's try to break this this chart down because again, this is going to be Dallas. really impactful. There we go. Dallas to Columbus. Wow. Dallas to Columbus. You got things up and to the right and down and to the right. What's going on here? Love to see it. Love to see it. Okay. Um, so pretty much what we got here up. is, you know, drive antenna rejection rates have dipped in the Dallas market. They're still elevated slightly, um, which Very is, elevated. you know, Yeah, it looks like on the 28th, we were at 28%, and now we're sitting at almost 32%, just down about half a percent from where we were yesterday. Yeah, and so it, it's actually, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense here. So if we're looking at the map on the left, or the chart on the left, we're seeing... Van outbound tender rejection. So that is for Dallas to Columbus specifically. So this is looking at you know, how often carriers are rejecting that specific lane. And then what we're looking at in orange is going to be the V-Hall, which is our van head haul index. So that's looking at really the differences between outbound and inbound freight for Dallas specifically. And so when head haul is going down, that means that those two lines of inbound and outbound volume are coming together. And so when that's going down as drastic as, as it is, there's only two reasons why. Either inbound is strongly increasing or outbound is strongly decreasing. And so given that outbound is decreasing so much, look what happened. I mean, instantly we saw tender rejection or yes, yeah, we saw um, tender rejections just shoot right up on that lane as soon as the amount of demand started to go down. So very interesting that we're starting to see that um, spark up. Absolutely. And then let's and then looking at that chart on the right there, look at that tender rejection there at that blue line. That is just that is off to the races. That doesn't care. Dude, dude, people are losing money on that chart on the right. I mean, that reminds me of my Robinhood in a matter of twenty percent increase in a month is unbelievable considering we already started at an, an insanely elevated level of twenty percent. No, exactly. And so, you know, for for brokers, I mean drive-in tender rejections, be, being that they've declined in that market after Labor Day, I mean makes sense, but it's increasing in the Columbus market. So brokers should kind of search for those, you know, search on those load boards, try to find different options for that lane. And if mm -hmm. if a Dallas to um, to Columbus comes up, stay firm on the rates because rejections are still above 30%. Yeah. Push carrier rates down since those rejections are trending kind of downward. So um, I would be still pushing down to my carrier partners to try to expand on those margins and I would push up on on any of those loads going into Columbus. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah, because it looks like volume has definitely taken a bit of a dip there, um, out of out of Columbus. Still, still pretty high. It's still high, but it's definitely taken a dip. We, I would expect that to probably come back up a little bit though over the next mm -hmm. couple of days, as 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 a lot of these uh, post holiday, uh, you know, shippers start to you know get fully back online. So I imagine even though it has dipped a little bit, it might come back on a little bit. But take advantage of the dip now. Um, right. Definitely something that you can take advantage of, you know, and that and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out as we get closer to the holiday season. You know, is is to see if volumes do dip. Traditionally, we have seen a volume dip in December, but the, we oftentimes will see rates increase even though that dip is happening. It's just because so much capacity comes off the road as drivers want to be home with their families, they want to take mm -hmm. a little bit of time off. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that happens again this year and, and and really what the impact is because we're at such an elevated level with demand and so and capacity is so tight to see if it becomes so much more extreme or if it's just a traditional seasonal year. So it'll be very interesting to see how that impacts as we go into the end of this year. No, exactly. And so, 
you know, with that for carries, I mean, that's really where you have to kind of look at yourself in the face because, it, you, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and see, you know, we're going to have a decline. I mean, this is a cyclical market. And so um, we're going into some of the, the best times to have a trucking company really to date. And, and so those are going to be the times that it's, you know, like we said, it's not blanket across every lane. Not every lane is at record high rate per miles across the board. It's really right. pocketed to some of these high density lanes that have that uh, that uh, that fluid volume really moving over, moving through it. And so, you know, kind of going back to the, that carrier side, I mean, that's really where you have to stay strong. Even though tender rejections are slightly declining, um, which would tell me that rates are moving down. You for carriers, you just want to keep that ceiling up as high as you possibly can. Unless it continues to fall, then, you know, we start thinking, what are my win percentages going to be? And, you know, do I need to start taking off a little bit off the top just to try to make sure that I'm staying committed and staying and keeping these trucks moving? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think if I'm a carrier right now, I'm trying to have conversations with my shipper. And same thing, if I'm a shipper, I'm, I'm trying to have those conversations, right? I, I don't know that I really want to lock something in for a year. Um, you know, I mean, maybe if you're a shipper, I mean, a carrier that can benefit you right now, if rates do start to drop again, because they will, the question is when and by how much we don't know, but, um, you know, we don't know when that's going to happen. You don't want to leave money on the table, of course, but you know, you've obviously gained a lot over the last year and a half. So if I'm a care. I, I might benefit by locking in rates from a year. If I'm a shipper, I don't really think I benefit that much. I mean, it, yeah. I, I think I have a lot more to, to lose in the game by doing that. Maybe doing a quarterly bid. You know, would be more beneficial. Obviously, some shippers they, they need some of that dedicated freight, and, and I get Never. that. And but you know, at some point you have to allow for some flexibility in there um, with your network. Not even just from a cost perspective, cost isn't everything. Even just from like a you know, hey, how are we going to manage capacity? I mean, I, I'm talking to some of these big shippers, and they're doing mini bids every single week almost, and it's like that's not an efficient way to run your transportation, right? You know, it, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Uh, there's going to have to be a better way. You're going to have to work with carriers because I think carriers, uh, they want to be a little more dynamic with pricing and they might be a little more willing to to give you some capacity if you can give them that flexibility a little bit. Maybe it's monthly, maybe it's quarterly, um, but I, I think we might be in a period of time where that'll start to get flirted with a little bit. Yeah, no, I think so because all we think about is you know, and we being kind of the third party people just kind of watching what's happening in the, in the market is that as soon as these markets start to go down, meaning the volumes, hopefully, you know, hopefully demand goes down or at least supply starts to increase and then um, start to see more and more freight being accepted. So um, I can totally see a lot of trucking companies with these weekly and monthly bids just throwing out astronomical numbers because what? why not? Um, because if, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to rebid next week, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, or next month. And so, and if they say yes, then I just made a killing. And so I, I do think that these, these carriers are, are really taking advantage of this, which is going to make it very interesting come, you know, let's say a year from now, if that supply and demand factor starts to come back together and carriers or shippers can see that good luck. We're going we're gonna to see some some rates falling into the dirt, just like we did back in 2019. It's certainly possible. Let's go ahead. Let's look at one more port city. So I think we've got Houston to Columbus. We're going to look at this chart here a little bit. You know, another one of my, uh, all about the ports here. So obviously we, we're here in Houston, but on the Gulf Coast side. And, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there on that Houston chart. So, you know, I think first things first, look at the blue line. Blue line 
Tender rejection rates out of Houston, only about 17.5%, so much lower than anything we've seen so far from any of the other markets, right? We saw that Savannah was over was right around 30%. Dallas was over 30%. Columbus was almost 25%, but this is only 17.5%, so well below a lot of its neighbors and the national average. However, right. tender rejections going into... Um, Going into the Columbus area, there is that green line, I believe, if I can read correctly. And that is almost, what's that, almost 30%. I mean, and it's rising quite quickly. So while, you know, again, this is kind of a great way to, to think about things, right? The overall market might be on the softer side, relatively speaking. You know, there are some of those lanes where it's, you know, it, it can really just kind of be in its own, own galaxy there. And if we look at, you know, I mean, it, and it looks like that orange line as well is increasing quite a bit, which I believe is tender rejections just out of uh, Columbus altogether. So it's going from Houston to Columbus is, is quite, quite high, quite elevated right now. And and that's happened over just the past three weeks. So it really I mean, that's just, it's just more or less confirming what we've all expected, which is, you know, retail season is here. Yeah. And we're we're starting to see, I mean, to kind of reference back to the first page that we were talking about with with seeing those intermodal volumes or those international containers moving from Savannah to Atlanta, seeing that capacity tighten with volumes over the rail lower. Oh boy. Like that's confirmation right there. You know, buckle up. We're about to go through some, some crazy times here specifically in the North, in the Southeast. Yeah. And, and as we start to see it move, I mean, now we, we just see it start to go across the, the Southern part of the country. So from Dallas going up to, the Ohio areas. And, and so that's a, it's a really big hub for people to then displace it. So more or less confirming again, what, what we all know to be true, which is these ports only have so much throughput and they're going to look for, you know, a crack somewhere. And what, where's that crack? That's going to be Savannah. That's going to be Houston. That's going to be Louisiana. That's going to be these markets that have, you know, maybe a little bit extra throughput because these, you know, Ontario, there are the LA Long Beach, the um, looking up into uh, Oakland and, and all these other, you know, New York, New Jersey. These are areas that are already at capacity for, you know, containers coming in. And so we're going to continue to see this constantly. Yeah. You know, I, I was I was I was looking online, uh, you know, on the on the on the great LinkedIn. Right. We're all nothing but truth and wisdom is, is posted. But. No, no, seriously, I kept seeing some, I, I, I saw some posts that were rather interesting saying that truckload volumes don't really correlate that closely with imports because a lot of it is taken by the rail or intermodal. And, you know, I, I think that chart that we looked at first out of Savannah kind of disproves that theory a lot because if you have increased imports going into Savannah right now, but you actually have intermodal uh, volume is decreasing. And truckload volumes are increasing. So, you know, yeah. truckload volumes are really following where imports are going. So, again, just kind of continuously proves that shippers are really trying to get goods moved a lot faster. And they're more reliant on truckload freight right now or truckload capacity to get that done. Even though truckload capacity is very tight, they're still more reliant on it to get it done, at least from a van perspective right now. So, you know, really, if you're moving any type of van freight, imports are your best friend as far as a leading indicator for what's going to happen anywhere near a port. Uh, city or market. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And, and, you know, I don't know if it necessarily disproves that point, but it definitely helps our argument here that, you know, the more that volatility hits, so the more demand there is to get 
products on the shelves, the more these shippers are going to go outside of their normal network, which is that rail. And so that definitely confirms that there is volatility happening and that more shippers are going to be going outside of their normal DC network. It's what we saw when uh, when we all started working back up, with, you know, back when COVID hit, um, you know, March of 2020, and everyone went back to work and that big surge of demand that we saw. Well, what was happening? People were coming into the port and going straight to the Walmarts in Dallas. They were going straight to wherever their final destination is because they didn't have time to put it on the rail, to then go transload it, to then go put it on a truck and then go to its final destination. We just don't have time for that. And this is just going to be the same thing over again. And so what's going to happen? Those rates are going to be increasing. Yeah. But we're also in a different time now where we're also in a different time now where consumers want their goods faster and faster, which will make either the rails to have to get competitive with that yeah. or they're just not going to be a great fit for a lot of consumer goods or finished goods. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. But anyways, we're right here about the end of time. Kyle, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing today. Of course, um, folks will be here next week again, live every Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. We will see you next week. Have a fantastic short week and we'll see you next Wednesday. Take care.